Am I on? One, two, three, four. Okay. And welcome everyone this morning. And Mark, by the way, wherever you are, where is he? Okay. Anyway, it's, I think, a real blessing at times for a pastor to be ministered to on a Sunday morning by his parishioners and do nothing but just enjoy the atmosphere. And so he shouldn't have felt discomfort this morning for being here. In other words, let's just us worship and uh, encourage him and uh, be with him. Okay, I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 15 this morning and uh, then speak on it. Um, I'll probably be, I want those through, not necessarily while I'm reading it, so because it will be all broken up. But, okay. So this is the uh, word of the Lord that came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And one of my, and, and the one who will inherit my estate is only my servant. You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And the Lord said, sorry, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him aside and said, look up to the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of all of the Chaldeans and give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And so the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three-year-old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, a bit gory, and arranged the halves opposite each other. Birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. The sun was setting. Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. But I will punish the nation they, they serve as slaves. And afterwards, they will come out with great possession. You, however, will go to, your for, go to your fathers in peace and will be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites have not yet reached its fullness. And the sun was set and the darkness had fallen. The smoke by a pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to him, Your descendants I give this land. 
from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates, to the land of all the Knights, by the way, the Hittites and the Pesachites and the Canaanites and Judasites, etc., etc. Let's pray. Father God, we look at this passage this morning, and as we do so, we pray that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear that which you may have for us, Father God. And Lord, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight and to your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. A little bit of background I probably is due here. If you are familiar with the passage going back to chapter 14, you will note that, um, or, or a little bit earlier than that, by the way, that um, four kings had risen up and uh, decided to, to invade Sodom and take some people away as captives and take some gold and silver and what else. Now, amongst those, of course, was Abram's nephew, Lot. And word came to Abram that Lot had been taken away by these four kings into slavery. And uh, so Abram rose up an army, gathered some men around him and went and freed all the captives from these four kings, including his nephew Lot. And he had just come back from that. And so that's the background of what's transpiring here now in this chapter. So he's just had this great big battle against these four kings. He's defeated them. He's gathered the people that they had captured. He brought them back to Sodom. The king of Sodom wanted to give him a lot of riches, but he refused that. And um, and now he's returned back to his camp. Okay. Now, I'm not going to sing for you this morning. You don't want to hear me sing. It'll put you off for the rest of the day. I, I love music. And uh, by the way, what's what do you call that person who follows a band around? No, he's called a percussionist. <clears throat> it's a it's an in joke, I guess, <laughs> with musos. But um, okay, I, I I'm tone deaf, okay, but I can play percussion. You don't have to tune them as much, you see? So, um, and God, for some unknown reason, has only given me two notes and they're both dead flat. Now, I was encouraged once, by the way, let me say this, I was encouraged once by a pastor um, who got up and was yeah, singing in the mic after the service, you know, and forgot that the mic was still on. And, and I went, oh, praise God. Praise God. I've got two notes. They're both dead flat, but he's only got one. So at least I've got one more note. But anyway, I'm not going to sing. So I'm going to quote some words to you by Neil Diamond. If you don't really know Neil Diamond, I'm a great fan of his and I love his music. Uh, it speaks to you in a lot of situations and here's one of them. I am, I said, to no one there. You probably know the song, do you? Okay, I am, I said, to no one there, and no one heard at all, not even the chair. I am, I cried, I am, said I, and I am lost, and I don't know why. He goes on to say, 
I've got an emptiness deep inside. And I tried, but it won't let me go. And I'm not a man who likes to swear. But I never cared for the sound of being alone. Thomas Goodman, a 17th century Puritan, once wrote, one who truly fears God and is obedient to him may be in a condition of darkness and have no light. And he may walk in that for many days, if not for years. Isaiah, when he addressed the, the captives in Babylon, and they had been there for some time, and, and you can imagine though, they were removed from Jerusalem and, and taken as hostages to, to Babylon. Despair. Anxiety. And this is what Isaiah said to him. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the words of his servant? But let him who walks in the darkness and have no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on him. People, what we, what we fail to realise and what we fail to understand at times as it is, there, people who, who love the Lord, people who are devoted to God, people who strive with all that's in them to, to be the best that God desires of them, still, still may at certain times of their lives be in a condition of darkness and have no light. And they may be, as, as Thomas Goodwood said, walk for many days, if not years, in such a situation. Let me say this, that at times even the most dedicated Christian may feel in the dark that many dedicated Christians may go through those periods of despair and depression. Now, I want you to take heart this morning. I don't want you to take heart if you're one of them and you're feeling that way. I don't want you to take heart in that. But I want you to take heart in the knowledge that you don't stand alone. And you're standing with some great people of God. You're standing with Abram, you know. You're standing with David. You're standing with Elijah and you're standing with many others who went through those situations in their life but still trusted and believed in God. Hudson Taylor, I don't know if you know of Hudson Taylor, the, the great missionary worker who basically brought Christianity to China at the time of the Boxer Rebellion when the Chinese rose up and, and put to death basically all Europeans or tried to put to death all Europeans. In the midst of all of that, Hudson Taylor turned to a friend of his and he said to him, I cannot read. I, I cannot even think. I, I cannot pray. What a situation to be in. I cannot pray. This is a great Hudson Taylor. I cannot pray, but I can trust in God. 
It was a dark time in his life. Do you know that there is actually a spiritual name for it, for this? It's called the dark night of the soul. And it came from a 16th century, I believe, spiritual classic that recounted the night scenes from Song of Solomon. And it talks about a child of God who struggles in those dark nights, but in that struggle come to understand and have a deeper relationship with God because they trusted in God in the midst of it. And so it's called the dark night of the soul based on that classic. And I believe that Abram in this passage in chapter 15 is going through such an experience. And it is expressed there in verse 12 where it says that he fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness, a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. He went into depression. He went into despair. And I want to speak on that this morning. And I want to speak on how God, in Abraham's moment of fear and anxiety and despair, met those needs. And, and those needs, there, there were a number of them, by the way. And the first one was his concern for his own health and his own well-being. The second one was his concern about the promise that God had given him in regards to an heir. What, what was happening there? God, what was happening there? And the third was, well, what about this land that was promised? This land that I'm on. What about those? We're going to see that God met all three of those. And that in that moment of separation and loss and in darkness and depression, God, God still holds his people. God still holds us in the very palm of his hand and he holds you to the bosom of his heart. Even when we're in that depth, even when we, we can't reach out to him, he's reached out to us. And he will see us through. He will see us through, brothers and sisters, whatever life, whatever this life has to throw to us, he will see us through. As long as we, as Hudson Taylor said, put our trust in him. Chapter, verse 1. Okay, the first slide. Verse 1 deals with, I guess, his own concerns, his own concerns about his own health. Now, you can understand he's had this victory in chapter 14 and he's got back home and he suddenly thought, well, what if? You know those two words, what if? What if these four kings pulled together and, and got a bigger force and came and invaded my camp? What, what, what if they, they killed me over what I've done? And so he started to, to, to listen to, I guess, his own, his own feelings and his own emotions here. And because of that, he had that thick and dreadful darkness overcome him. 
Brothers and sisters, people of faith are also people with feelings, are we not? We're not diverse. We're not removed from our feelings. And they shouldn't be discredited. They, they, they shouldn't be ignored. We, sh we should listen to them at times, okay? But while it's unwise to, to trust our emotions and, and do away with reasoning, it's also unwise to deny and suppress our emotions. We're, we're not Vulcans, okay? They can't even do the, you know, we're not Spocks. He has no emotion, but we do. We're humans and we have emotions. And we, we need to express them. Okay. Jesus expressed his emotions, did he not? He, he sighed. He cried. He, he showed anger. He showed sorrow. Because he was human. We, we are human. And therefore, we need to, to understand that we have emotions. But back to Abraham, yeah, he just won this battle. And so he was afraid. Afraid of the possibility that the four kings may return. But he was also, again, like us, he was also human. You ever been in a situation where you, you go through a time that almost drains you physically or mentally, that may go over a period of time, a great battle, a, a great upheaval, a, uh, a great difficulty. And all the way through it, you're, you're holding up. And as soon as it's finished, you fall in a heap. Your, your emotions and your, and your feelings and all that just go haywire. Well, that's common. That's normal. Look back at the Old Testament. Look back at Elijah. What happened? You know, like if I was there at Mount Carmel, right, and I did, I'd, I'd be Will Smith in, um, what is it, um, 4th of July, yeah? Who's the man? Who's the man? But that's only the movies, isn't it? It's, it's, not, it's not real life. In real life, what happened? Elijah went into depression and he ran and he hid. Here a woman, one woman, he just conquered a hundred odd priests of Baal but no rhyme, no reason to emotions and feelings when they crash. And that's what happened here. And so while we ought to listen to our feelings and be honest about them, we shouldn't just stop there, people. We, we need to listen to God. And in the midst of those feelings, still be open to hear God speak to us and to hear what he has to say to us. Because in the end, Faith that conquers fear is faith in the word of God, isn't it? Not faith in feelings. We seem we need to listen to God. Did you know, by the way, that this is the very first time in the Bible that you had that phrase, the word of the Lord came? 
It's not the last by any means, is it? I mean, how many times do you read that? The word of the Lord came. This is the very first time it appears in the Bible. What I'm saying is this. In the end, it's the faith that conquers fear. Faith in the word of God. God's remedy for Abraham's fears was to remind him as the chapter opened here. What did he say? Do not be afraid. Do not be. Now, that's pretty hard to say to someone who's in fear, by the way. Do not be afraid. It's almost like saying to someone who's in depression, don't be depressed. But God's saying to him, do not be afraid, for I am your shield. Okay, count on that. I am your shield, your very great reward. And hold on to that. In the midst of it, hold on to that, Abram. I am your shield and I am your very great reward. God's I am is perfectly adequate for how I am not, isn't it? And that's what it is. That's, that's the beauty of that, that glorious name I think I shared with you last time I was preaching. The, beauty, the, the glory of that name, I am. He is whatever we need. He is whatever we lack. You see, if I lack wisdom, God's my wisdom. If, if I lack the ability to speak, God is, gives me that ability. He speaks through me. If I lack courage, he is my courage. If I lack strength, he is my strength. He is I am. He is my I am. He is your I am. He is the great and mighty God. And people, let me say this, let me say this. Your, your steps of faith, okay, your steps of faith is only as big as your God. Okay? Your steps of faith is only as big as your God. Now, when I become a Christian, my God, you could probably put him into a <laughs> yeah, a little matchbox, okay? Into a matchbox, but he's not he's not there now because I've grown, I've grown in my my understanding and my love and my devotion and and my obedience to him. Now now he oh, he fills this room, he fills this this whole area. He's too big for me to contain anymore. That's how big my God is. And your steps in faith, brothers and sisters, is only as big as your God or as you perceive your God. And your steps of love and devotion to him is only as big as you perceive him. This is the Old Testament equivalent, by the way, to Matthew 6.33. You know the passage? Okay. But first seek thee the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. It's also, I guess, the, the equivalent to um, the New Testament's Philippians 4.19. Okay. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. In Christ Jesus. 
Abraham's God was going to meet all his needs according to his riches and his glory. The second point, the next slide, is verses six, or sorry, verses two through to six, and that is his concern about his heir. Now, I don't know about you, but Abraham, Abraham at this time, I don't know, he's what, 84-ish, 85? Sarah's about the same age. Oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me? I mean, you know what I want. What else can you give me? What can you give me? I am childless. I have no heir. You know, like, I'm not getting any younger guy. I mean, what's happening here? Now, the very first lesson in the school of life, I think, that we need to understand is that God's ways are not our ways and God's timing is not necessarily our timing. We can try to preempt God a lot of times. We try to rush ahead of him and get things done the way we want it or in the time we want it. And if you read through the rest of Abram's life, you know that he made a mess of that trying to get ahead of God. And we can do the same. But that's an, another message. But here he is, you see, 85-ish. Time is, is dragging on. It's been a while now since, since God had made that promise to him. Nothing has happened. So heavens, Lord. What, what's, and look, if the four kings do come back and they do kill me, duh, it's too late, you know. All over Red Rover. No, no air, you know. So what's going to happen here? God appeared in Abraham's life to be doing nothing about it. It's like he said he would do it, but God's forgotten somewhere along the line. And he hasn't. So he took his concern to God. You know, I, 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 love, I love Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah mainly because that was the book I studied when I was in college and we were doing it in, in the Hebrew and you could almost hear, you know, it's it's beautiful to be able to hear someone reading some of these Old Testament passages in 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 the in the original language. You know that when the, the talks in in Jeremiah the horses and things like that, you, you can actually almost hear the clop of the clop of the clop of the horses. You know, it, it's so rich and so beautiful, and I, and I love Jeremiah because of that uniqueness that that, that I had in hearing it in the Hebrew. But I also love it because he, he's a man in some ways under my own heart. He, he's a man who says to God, look, I know you're right, God, but... You know, listen, this is probably not the way you'll do it, God, but... You know, like, he wasn't ashamed to take his concerns and to take his views to God. Now, let me say this. In doing so, he was also a man who prepared to listen to what God had to say about it. So he didn't say, oh, God, but, and then walk away. He waited for God to respond. And God always responded. Nowhere, except once, I think, when God said to him, well, listen, Jeremiah, how are you expected to keep up with the horses if you can't even run with men? 
But that was about as deep as the rebuke came. And you notice here that although Abraham said, oh, sovereign Lord, but, in actual fact, that's what he said, but, you promised, but, God didn't rebuke him, did he? God didn't rebuke him. God just showed him. By taking him outside and saying, look up, Abram, count the stars, if it's possible to even do that, count the stars. And that is going to be, he didn't say you're going to have as many offspring as, as there are stars. He, it was an analogy. As many as them, uncountable. That's, that's how many offspring you will have. Uncountable offspring. And that is the promise. The other thing interesting about that, I thought, was the fact that, you know, it's a good practice to remember that passage. Because in the times of despair and the times of darkness, it's always good to look up, isn't it? Okay? Look up to God and hear what he has to say to us. But it doesn't matter regards to Abram, no matter whether he, he looked down. By the way, that promise of, of a descendant comes from chapter 13 and uh, verse 14. And he said to him, as the dust is on the ground, so shall your descendants be. And so no matter where if, if Abram looked down at the dust or whether he looked up at the stars, he was reminded of the promise that God had given to him. But people, I guess you need to take note because the verse that follows, verse 6, is an important verse. And it's a verse that's quoted all the way through Scripture. It's a verse we use so often. God counted him righteous. God counted him righteous. Why did God count him righteous? Because he believed. Okay? Believe. Promises people do us no good unless we act on them. What is a promise that is never acted on? It's just empty words, is it not? But you see here, God made this promise. Abram believed in that promise and he acted upon that promise and God counted him as righteous. You know, that verse is quoted a number of times in different ways. It's, it's the Old Testament, John 3.16, is it not? Really, when you look at it, that verse. Paul mentions it in Romans, Romans 4, 3. He mentions it again in Galatians 3, 6. James brings it up again in James 2, 23. And if you bring those three verses together, you'll see a common thread here. You'll see what comes out of verse 6. You'll see believe, counted, and righteous. Believe, counted, and righteous. We are not saved by making promises to God, people. We are saved by believing 
in the promises of God. And there is a big difference between the two. What was Abraham's biggest need at that particular time? What was his biggest need? His biggest need, regardless of what he thought about inherit, uh, descendants and all that sort of stuff, his biggest need was righteousness before God. Okay? What is the biggest need in the world today? It's say food for the starving or whatever. But the biggest need in the world today, people, is righteousness before our holy God. That's the need of the world. Paul said in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. And he goes on in verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. People, it's not enough to be religious. Look, I'll tell you this. The world is full and is sick to death of religion. The world does not need religion. And religious people, what the world needs is righteous people. People who are not righteous in their own strength, by the way, who stands up and say, I'm right. People who are counted righteous in the eyes of God. On the cross, our sins were put on Jesus' account when he took the punishment that was due to us. And when we trust and when we believe in him, his righteousness is put into our account. Is it not? Pick Colossians, uh, 2 Corinthians, sorry, 5.21. And we stand before our God, clothed not in our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we stand before God, people, as people who are righteous because of what Christ has done for us. <clears throat> Obeying God or even promising to obey God did not save Abraham, but his obedience proved his faith and it proved his belief. We are not saved by faith plus works. We are saved by faith that works. Okay? We are saved by faith that works, that works in our lives, that works through our lives. The answer to Abram's fear was God's promise, I am. The answer concerning his heir was God's promise, what? I will. I will. Very quickly need to finish up in the last, though it's the longest passage. Okay, verse 7 down to the end of the chapter. <clears throat> it was about the land. Now, you have to understand that this whole land that was promised to Abraham is in the hands of probably no less than 10, maybe 12 different kings. Okay, he had just fought four of them. Okay, and so, it's, listen, it, it, it's one thing to own it. It's another thing to possess it, isn't it? Like, I own my house. No, I don't. I possess it, but the bank owns it. I'm not quite sure which way that was going anyway. But it's one thing to say the land's mine. But if you have no possession of it, 
it doesn't really matter. And this is what Abraham's fear was, you see. No matter how many heirs he had, have a look at the place. Twelve other foreign kings ruled this whole area. Who am I? Little Abraham. So he says to God, how, how am I going to possess it? You know, like, in what power? Well, he failed to realise that the God who was going to give him a son to his wife who's about the same age as him, 85, that's not a miracle, can do anything. And then we had this passage, by the way, the the uh, verses 9 through to 17, and you think that's a bit gory. Okay, That was common practice. Matter of fact, it was the way to sign a covenant in those days. Now, what you did was you took the animals, prime animals that you would normally sacrifice to your God, and you will cut them in two, and you'll put the, the, the pieces of the carcass opposite each other. And so you would have pieces of the carcasses laying all over the place. And then the two of you would get and you would walk around those carcasses, okay? Didn't say anything to each other. You just strolled around the carcasses, okay? Now, what were you saying by doing that? What you were saying, and this was the whole thing about the, the, the bond of the covenant. What you were saying to each other was, may it be to me as it is with these carcasses if I default on my word. May it be to me as it is these carcasses if I do not carry through with what I've just promised. Okay, so that was the significance of what God asked Abram to do. But there is a difference here, is there not? You know what the difference is? Read this passage. This is beautiful, people. Might be a bit gory, but this is beautiful. What happened here? What, what was so different about this covenant? Abraham didn't walk. Where, where does it say that Abraham walked amongst the pieces of the carcass? He didn't. Who walked amongst the pieces of the carcass? God did. Remember that the torch came and moved around? God and God alone Walk through those pieces. God and God alone made the covenant. God and God alone said to Abraham, it doesn't matter, Abraham, what you do, what you say, what you think, I am bound by this myself. There's no conditions to you. I'm not putting conditions on you. The condition is on me. What's awesome, isn't that, that's, it blows my mind. Jesus Christ hung on the cross and he said, there's no conditions. This is a one-way covenant. I walked the pieces and I walked it alone. You don't have to do anything. Except believe and have faith and trust. That's what's beautiful about this. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture. It shows to us that God made the covenant and God and God alone made the covenant. God, God was saying to him, I've given you the land. I've given it to your, de your descendants to inheritance. How they do that is my concern, Abram, not yours. Okay? 
Don't worry about it. This is my business, not your business. It will happen. All you have to do is act on it and believe in it and trust in yourself. I need to sum up. When Abraham was concerned about himself, God answered him with with the I am. I am Abraham, all that you need. When he was concerned about his heir, God answered him and said, I will. I will. When he was concerned about the land, God said to him, I have given it to you. Brothers and sisters, in Jesus Christ, those three assurances are given to us, isn't they? Okay? Are given to us his people today. And they're given to us his people no matter where we are. And it doesn't matter where we are spiritually. It doesn't matter where we are physically. It doesn't matter where we are emotionally. Okay? Those three things still apply. I am your God I will be your God and I will give unto you and I have given it to you. I have given you salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All you need to do is believe and trust. People, Abraham believed and trusted and it was counted to him as righteousness. Do you? That's the question. Do you? We're going to conclude this morning by singing Saturate Me. And I want you, if you're here this morning and you are going through one of those dark moments, I want you to seek out someone to pray for you. If you haven't really trusted in the God of Abraham, and this morning I want you also to, to seek out Mark or myself or someone else and, and talk about how to put your trust and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I, I don't, I'll say this, yeah. going through depression, going through despair and anxiety, it's pretty hard as a Christian. I'd hate to think it as it is if you're not. Okay? So I just want to encourage you this morning, people, but also... If you do not have that trust and belief, I want you to speak to someone today and obtain it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Sam.